Yo, beast mode, I go beast mode. Left, right, hook, then I reload. Speed until the E breathe slow. Connect every uppercut, clean blow. Hello and welcome to the Southpaw Jab podcast. This week we've got more Team Southpaw Jab news, we've got big match previews and a small hole roundup for you as well. I'm your host, George Storr, and on the line we've got southpawjab.com editor, Adam. How are you doing, Adam? I'm very well, thank you, George. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not bad. So we've got some big team news coming up, I believe, that you're going to fill us in on. Yeah, well, let's, let, let's start with that. First of all, um, welcome... To Team Southport Jab, Nina Bradley, the reigning Commonwealth Super Lightweight Champion. She's joined us uh, only recently. I think Chris announced that yesterday. Um, so we've known her for a while. She's been, you know, someone that we've been talking to, Chris has been talking to. She knows um, our, our own Hannah Rankin. And uh, Chris announced it yesterday. So welcome, Nina. That's great news. Yeah, that's a, that's a great addition to the to the team there. Um, welcome on board Nina Bradley of course she's coming off uh, that loss to Terry Harper but there's nothing uh, no shame in in that loss we were just talking about off air how on earth does Terry Harper make that weight but um, yeah and also you've got I mean you've got remember that Nina dropped down to lightweight for that as well so sometimes that pays off sometimes it doesn't you know stripping the extra weight yeah and as well we just wanted to mention that Tickets for uh, Jamie's fight are still available. Uh, yeah, Jamie Hughes, he's at Hughesy Boxing on Instagram, and also um, John Harding Jr. He's fighting at the uh, he's fighting on the big uh, Dave Allen versus Lucas Brown card. Get at him. He's at Pesta Superstar on I think certainly on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Hit them up for tickets, guys, because it's not just them. It's not just that you're supporting them, you're going to see a big shows with lots of good fights on. So, uh, yeah. Mm. And do you want to talk briefly about the Boxathon as well? Yes. So, on the 19th and 20th of October, we're going to be at the Box Sport London gym. Uh, we're doing a 24 hour Boxathon, uh, raising money for a charity called Mental Health Muscle, who try and help people with mental health issues through exercise and that kind of thing. And obviously, I mean, mental health is, is it's a big deal everywhere, but it's, it's very close to me and Chris's hearts. Um, and yeah, I just, it's, that should be good, raising money, be, be a bit of a laugh. I don't know how, how much I'm going to be doing, <laughs> but yeah. yeah that, so there'll be more info on that coming up soon, but we've announced it and stuff. Chris is just... Um, Crossing the I's and dotting the T's or whatever, whichever way around that goes. Yeah, brilliant. So save the date. Did you say that's the did you say that's 19th the 19th and 20th, 20th yeah. of October? So save that date. And if anyone uh, is interested in helping out or knowing more, do get in touch with us about that. Uh, and so there's one other piece of Team Southpaw Jab news that I think you had to share with us, Adam, this week. Yes, yeah, yeah. Apologies, really, to um, Ryan Walsh, who's a British champion, uh, featherweight champion. Uh, he has got big news. He's going to be fighting Jordan Gill, who's another matchroom starlet. So, obviously, we're we're really excited for him. Ryan Ryan doesn't turn down challenges, and Jordan Gill is is highly rated. It should be a cracking fight, um, and obviously, I'd love to see him. To see him take another another matchroom scalp, um, 
I mean, Gil, I was listening to the podcast with Gil on the Matchroom podcast, Toe to Toe, a few weeks ago, and he, he seems like a lovely guy, like a really nice down-to-earth guy, but obviously Ryan's one of our own, so... Yeah, that's, back a, that's a really exciting matchup as well. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, and actually, I was listening to this, the Bunts podcast uh, this week, and Super Featherweight is the only weight division that we've never had a British champion who's gone on to win a world title. Really? really? Yeah, believe it or not. Anyway, thought that was interesting, so thanks, Bun- yeah. Buncey, for that stat. Yeah. Um, but yes, hopefully hopefully Ryan will be that. Hopefully Ryan will do that. Obviously, his brother Liam came up short against uh, Javonta Davis. But... Mm. Well, good luck uh, to Ryan there. So, so that's most of our Team Southpaw Jab news. Um headlines anyway for this week but before we move on to previews and our other headlines we're going to hear from promoter and manager Mickey Helliot uh, who spoke to Adam this week ahead of Phil Bowe's clash with Tom Farrell this weekend. Uh, Mickey of course is from Hellraiser Boxing, it's Mickey Hellraiser Helliot and he spoke to Adam this week uh, on the Southpaw Jab podcast to tell us a little bit more about uh, Phil's preparation and the fight itself. Mickey, thanks for thanks for joining me. Um, big week for you and Phil Bowes. How are you doing, Adam? Yeah, big, big week. When, uh, when are you off up to Liverpool? Uh, Thursday morning. We've got a whole team going up there. Uh, arrive... Uh, late morning for press conference um, and then we got obviously the, the lead up to the fight um, Phil's making weight which is not ideal to have like a train journey in the middle of that because it's not very pleasant for him but um, yeah you know he's a professional he's been doing it a while now so we'll go up um, his weight's fine um, you'll weigh in and you can eat, relax and get ready to get ready put it all on the line. Do the business. Um, how? I mean, obviously, it's an obvious question, but how confident are you? Uh, I'm very confident. You know, it's very nice to have, because, I mean, look, you, you know my business well, Adam. I, I, I build these guys up, obviously. They have to do the fighting, but I do what I can to get them the opportunities quite quite often when we have to take that plunge you know we go for like the sky tv shows or the bt sport or like that um there's a lot of risk involved and there's not a lot of choice a lot of the time it's like this guy is the champion you have to fight him it's more from my side um about haggling over the money and trying to get the fighter as much money as possible but because Phil's got the boat, the, the belt, <laughs> because Phil's got the belt, it's actually meant that uh, we've actually had quite a lot of leverage because uh, the, this Farrell, he actually tweeted or somebody tweeted that he wanted to fight Phil for the belt. But we've had quite a lot of different approaches like that. But Pharrell boxed uh, Danny Donchev, who I managed previously. Yeah, um, and didn't have it all his own way against Danny. You know, Danny um, mucked him around a little bit, and um, so do you? Philippe, s- 
you see something in that that makes you confident that Phil, who's obviously a superlative boxer, slick fighter, can... Yeah, well, I, I've seen Farrell box since he boxed Donchev, and he did look to me like he'd improved a bit. But, uh, obviously, I know Phil very well. Uh, Southpaw, very good movement. Um, he's now setting his feet and moving his upper body, which allows him to sort of get a little bit closer to land those big shots. And, yeah, I just thought the right fight. You know, look, you, when, when you're fighting for a title like that, there's always a level of risk. It's not fighting a, a punch bag or some some sort of guy that's been drafted in from wherever. No, no. He's... You, know, yeah, you, you, you know, the TV doesn't want those kind of fights over 12 rounds. You know, they, they you, you're going to have to fight a live opponent. So, yeah. I mean, mind, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, I was saying on the podcast that my worry is, and not I know I've put this to Phil, and obviously he's completely non, not bothered by it, but do you worry at all with it being in Liverpool with lots of Farrell's fans, it'll either affect the referee or the judges? or? Uh, well, look, you, you saw what happened to Daryl Williams up in Scotland. Yeah. Um, you know, and... <laughs> You know, for for me, the, the the judges got it wrong that night by a long way, and it's um always a risk when you go. The thing is, if we'd have had that fight in London, and I'm not saying that any judges or referees were dishonest, because in, in my view, they were off the ball that night. And I mean, Victor Lockwood particularly. I mean, I, I really struggled to understand how he possibly could have come up with the score he came up. I mean, it's just beyond me. He's but, not. He's not what ref, uh, judging this one, is he? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But but well, what I will say, um, you you leave yourself open to that when you go away from home. Um, the thing is, look, we we put everything together financially. Um, it was very, it was a big burden. And we, me and Phil sat down before, we knew what we were doing, that this, this is going to be, we, we want to optimise the earnings side of it. Phil's not a spring chicken, you know, he's at a point now where we want to fight on big shows. I could have put on another Hellraiser show, you know, he won the title on the Hellraiser show. But that's not really what we did it for, you know, we did it because we wanted to get on the TV shows. We want to get it so that we have that little bit of leverage because, look, Matchroom approached me with one fighter. I had about three other approaches from other promoters. Um, and you can sort of wiggle a bit. You can, you, you can sort of play them off against each other. You can find out who's going to offer you the best deal until you think all the elements add up and stack up. And I think Tom Farrell was, was the best one for us. Um, he came unstuck against Ahara Davis. Um, he has shown... He's both shown signs of being a, a good boxer and of weakness in different ways that I've seen when he's boxed. So, um, you know, I, I thought, everything considered, I thought, this is our best chance. We go there... I wanted to ask you on that note, on, on what you do with your boxers, who would you say... Who would you tell people to keep an eye out for on the Hellraiser stable at the moment? Okay, so Andre Sterling. But from the, the ones that people won't have heard of, I would imagine Jordan Blake. 
because I thought he, he looked very tidy and I thought he looked sort of guy that if he sticks if he really works hard in two years time he'll be the one that's breaking through yeah the ones are a bit higher than that obviously well, we've got um, Glasses Taru boxed in uh, uh, Bracknell the other week so he's coming along nicely he's 6-0 um, for sure Andre Sterling I mean he's on the verge of something big I mean I'm, I'm, again with Andre you know we've got ITV calling we've got I mean, all the promoters sort of starting to gather around for him now so um, what back yeah, would, an eye out for him. would you fancy him versus Buatsi? yes I would from a boxing point of view but then this is again it comes down to money you know look uh, Buatsi is a very good fight that's the sort of fight you've got to get. make sure that the fighter gets every penny that you can out of it yeah. that's a big 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 payday that's not, I wouldn't take it for small money because I think Sterling he's done it the hard way and he's always delivered he boxed on ITV his last fight uh, boxed very well and put out a very good performance and he now is getting very close to a position where they have to pay and if they don't listen, you're going box doesn't have to be Blatsy can be Yard there's the, he's in a division where there's a lot of uh, big fights that are going to happen and he's right up there he's right right up there so like I say we'll see what the, the promoters can offer him and he's, he's I've never ever spoke to Andre and had the answer oh I don't fancy that one or oh, my sponsor thinks you know I should go and fight someone much he you know, whoever you say to him, he says, "Oh yeah, I'll do that one." Yeah, I know how. To do yeah, he's a he's a he's an excitable guy. Like a, yeah, confident and excitable. Like gets really pumped about the idea of them. Finally, prediction for Saturday. Yeah. Um, I think Phil's stopping. Uh, I mean, Phil's setting his feet a lot more. He's punching with a lot more authority. Um. For different reasons, I think it's the right fight for him. And, you know, really, it's now, don't put pressure on Phil. He's just got to go and deliver on the night. He needs to come out with the top performance. And if he does, I think he stops him. And that was great to uh, get the inside track from Mickey there. Yeah, so moving on, uh, one of the big headlines this week that uh, has made a lot of boxing fans a little bit unhappy it was the announcement of Tyson Fury's next fight. He's facing unbeaten German Thomas Schwartz. Uh, he's 24 and 0 with 16 knockouts, um, and it's not the matchup that people were looking for, really, is it, Adam? It's not, but um, I mean, what, who is he going to fight? Yeah. Who is he going to fight? Frank Warren tweeted was sort of teasing it a day or two before, and he said he'll be fighting someone in the. A governing body's top five, which is a bit vague because, you know, which governing body, as we know, there's <laughs> dozens of them. Um, but everybody assumed, obviously, that he meant the, the big four, and he, that was right. But if you go through those big four, essentially the top five fighters, not including the champions, most of them are tied up in fights already. So it wasn't, there was only about really two or three people that he was going to be facing if that was the. Um, the stipulation and look he's fighting someone in the top five they want to build him in america i think they'll be thinking this guy who's got a good enough record tyson talks a good game I mean, he can sell a fight on his own yeah. um and that 
you know, Tyson will look very good against him. I'm assuming, I'm assuming and hoping that he will. Um, you know, good on him. Like, mm. what, what, where else are you going to go? People, I mean, I understand that. Oh, I'd like to see him face someone better, but all the people that are better are busy. Yeah, I, I the only th- is um has Luis Ortiz got a fight date? I mean, we've talked about him before. He's kind of the chairman of the Who Needs Him Club. Um, but has he got a fight date? He could have been an interesting match. Um, Not according to box rec, but look, I mean, frankly, Fury plays with Ortiz as well. I mean, Giza's about four hundred years old. Yeah, but he's. he's very good. I don't know. I rate Ortiz, but any anyway. Um, let's not get bogged down in. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, how many centuries old Luis Ortiz is? Um, so moving on, we're gonna really uh, start tucking into our review section of the show now, and of course the um, most important one here was for Team Southpaw Jab was. Team Southpaw jab member Wadi Camacho unfortunately uh, lost out to Lawrence Ucoli, um, uh at the Copper Box. Uh, yeah, so what did you make of that fight, Adam? Uh, I was disappointed for Wadi. I thought for Wadi, sorry. Um, I thought that he oh, it was always going to be a difficult ask. I wondered which Ucoli we'd see, as I said last week, whether we'd see what I call his. Big, uh, big fight tactics where he basically spoils and roughs you up, and we sort of did see that. I mean, he was he was clinching, he was pushing his head down. At one point, Waddy ducked down, and I'm I'm sure I'm I'm not mistaken. And I saw Lawrence Acoli bringing a knee up towards his head. Um, <laughs> look, look, but the power, unfortunately, the power was too much. Waddy got caught. Um, and, uh, you know, Ocoli jumped on him. You've you got to say, uh, he's not the most likeable person, Lawrence Ocoli, is he? He's, um, yeah, his outside of the ring persona is is, is just... Um, that was unusual, the, the back and forth with Dillian White. Yeah, I'm not even talking about that, just the way he talks in interviews and his post-fight interview. It's just everything about him grates on me, I'm afraid, um, including a lot of the time how he fights. Um, there was someone on Twitter, I think it was Sam O'Reilly from Fight Talk, who may have retweeted it or somebody else, or, or said it himself, but it was somebody who said, um, do you think when Lawrence Acoli was 19 stone and fat, he was less of a cunt? <laughs> 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 which I thought was uh, was very funny I mean you can beat the cunt out if you want but <laughs> well, like, yeah I just thought, I just thought that was funny because I'd been sat there yeah. thinking god he's a bit of an asshole, isn't he yeah. and uh, anyway he's cracking up I think he's going to make a, a fantastic heavyweight in time yeah, he reminds me of Deontay Wilder mm. just sort of all arms and legs and you know fight levelling power fight equalising power yeah. I mean look fair play he won it was it, I mean to be honest what he had is moments of success but they were just that and he, I think from about round two onwards I was sort of watching through uh, watching through my fingers but um, unlucky Waddy uh, we'll wait and see what he's doing next I know uh, obviously Chris is very close to him and has just sort of said obviously he's gonna see where it, what happens there 
Um, but that was a big, it was a busy, busy weekend of boxing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, elsewhere on the matchroom card, of course, the headliner Charlie Edwards defended his WBC World Flyweight title. Um, we saw Joshua Boatze with a stunning stoppage of Liam Conroy, um, and Conroy looked looked good, to be honest, didn't he? I thought I, I was um, well. It was certainly a step up in opposition for Boatze, and and you know it just really shows we knew but it just really shows that he's the real deal um stopping Conor yeah i was impressed with Joshua Grazzi. i mean as we said last week when has he put a foot wrong so far um when he he still hadn't i mean i actually initially thought that stoppage was a bit a bit dodgy because conroy when conroy got up he uh he looked fine to me as the referee was looking into his eyes, his eyes didn't seem... I mean, I know the referee's a lot closer and there's no telly, he's not watching through a TV. Mm. But I hadn't... What I'd missed was, because I was at the pub for my mate's birthday, sort of trying to watch it as closely as possible, I'd missed the first knockdown and it was really oh, heavy. Oh, oh, <laughs> and I thought, actually, when you've just been knocked down twice like that, it doesn't matter. Oh. You know, you're only, he's only going to be walking into a third one, isn't he, really? So, um, oh. fair play on that. I mean, and again, Buatsi was it was only going one way. So, yeah, it was, and uh, and thanks for coming clean on the levels of professionalism there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's really bad. I uh, I was actually sitting in and watching it, as you know, and my mm. mate rang me and was like, you know, basically emotionally blackmailing me into going. And I said, I'll come, but only if the fight's on at the pub, which I think <laughs> made me look like a bit of an asshole. <laughs> Oh, well. But it's all right. He wasn't complaining at 10 a.m. when we hit Weatherspoons after fry up. So you know. <laughs> um, the other one I wanted to ask you about, um, George. Sorry, I know I'm switching roles here. What did you think of the Ritson fight, Lewis Ritson? Ooh, that that scorecard was way too wide. I actually ag- agreed with Matthew McLean that, that a, a draw was about right. Um, obviously, I'm I'm pleased for Lewis Ritson uh, to go and get the win in many ways, but that. Those scorecards, they're 98-92 and uh, two scorecards of 98-92 and one of 99-91. I don't know what fight they were watching, um, to be honest. No, it was terrible. And this is this is something, again, well done to Lewis Ritson. But, and I mean, yeah, we'll leave that there. But it is something that we, I'm going to talk about a bit later on in the previews. Mm. Uh, elsewhere on that card, we saw... It, the really the the weird one that stuck out was uh, Shannon Courtney who made her debut. She looked she looked good. Um, the, her opposition, Christina Busiac. There was a lot of talk uh, I know on social media about Christina Busiac and how she was one of these opposition fighters who you know didn't really look like a boxer. She didn't have sort of the body shape of a boxer in many ways. Um, her punching technique was strange. Um, yeah, she, she's hard though, isn't she? Yeah, she was tough, definitely. But that <laughs> that was one of the weirdly one of the standout memories of of the card for me, just because that was a bizarre fight. I thought. Yeah, it was. It was. But well done, Shannon Courtney. You've got to say that she looked good. Um, she was mixing it up well, uh, and I think against you know she she'll put. On, so fair play that was that was good but you're right it was a strange one to watch before we um we leave this card can i just give a massive shout out to one of the um one of the opponents on it please chris adaway yeah chris adaway right i know chris adaway because i was doing the post-fight interviews when he um 
when he got his first ever stoppage win, um, when he knocked out a guy called Sam Jones, I think it was, um, right. some some years ago. It was a while ago now. Um, yeah. And he's such a lovely guy. And we saw him the other week against Shah Osgul. And mm-hmm. for me, again, uh, he didn't win the fight against Shah, but he exposed the fact that Shah Osgul, who, while a lovely bloke, well, actually, <laughs> no, let's, let's not say that because I don't actually think that. Um, he exposed the fact that for me, Ciara School has no plan B. He's just, he's, he's decent, but he's he's one dimensional. Uh, and Adaway was, he's hilariously celebrating every shot he landed by sticking his arms up. And, you know, that's what you like from the away guys, even if they're not winning, that they're enjoying themselves and entertaining. And he's he's gone to a matchroom card for an unbeaten matchroom prospect who's 6 and 0, Tom Ansell, and he's beat him on the cards. Mm. So, yes. oh, quite, so he might, uh, match, he might not be a matchroom uh, fighter, but he was on a matchroom card as the home fighter. So, but look, he's beating him. So, shout out Chris Sadaway. Well done. Enjoy yeah. that. He beat him quite convincingly as well. I, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as we know, look, as we know, these cards, especially when you're fighting unbeaten prospects, as we heard um, Lewis Van Pooch say last week. If you if you win, you expect to get a draw, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well done, Lee Every, for scoring that correctly, assuming that he did. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm sure Tom Ansell will will learn from that, and um, you know, best to look to him in the future as well. Yeah, yeah. But so we will move on now to the MTK uh, card in Glasgow, which I wanted to speak on briefly. Um, so a real highlight of this was David Brophy uh, versus Irish-based Slovakian Vladimir Beluski, uh, who's managed by Assassin Boxing, I believe. Um, it was just six rounds of non-stop action. Uh, it, it was an absolutely cracking fight, and it's one of those that if you didn't see it, it's worth going back um, and and seeing it. It's seen it now. It's on the IFL YouTube, I believe, uh, as they they live streamed the whole night. So you should be able to go back and watch that now. Um, Beluski came out throwing big shots in the first round. Uh, you know, you could argue he won the first three rounds. Um, both chins were tested early on as well, uh, and both were were found to be pretty sturdy. Um, it showed for me. That, that David Brophy needs to, you know, work to get back down to super middleweight because um, Beluski got in there as a big unit, carrying a lot of power, um, and at times it just looked like Brophy was the, the naturally smaller man. Um, in the end, his, his experience won out. Um, he did some real damage to Beluski in the fifth, um, and I think you know a lesser man would have hit the canvas um, with some of the some of the shots that he caught on his chin. Um, he hit him with a really big right hand, stepped inside and, and put an uppercut on him as well. And uh, I think, you know, David Brophy, David Brophy hasn't got a lot of stoppages, but he showed uh, he showed he showed he could uh, dish it out there. Um, he held that momentum though, and he, yeah, he cut Beluski in the final round. Um, but yeah, Brophy got the win. He's now twenty-two, two and one with four stoppages. Uh, he won by uh, fifty-nine to fifty-five, which I think that was a maybe a slightly wide margin, but it was a cracking fight. Uh, also, the the final fight of the night was Michael McGurk took on Hull-based Lithuanian Ivaldas Korsakas. That was eight rounds at super welterweight. 
and McGurk got the decision 79-74. Uh, Corsacas um, is another one of those with a, a bit of a patchy record. He's now 9-7-2 and two, uh, with five stoppages. But he's, uh, he's shown he's got quality um, and he will spring upsets in the division. I think Bielewski will in future as well. He'll be springing upsets. Uh, they're both guys to keep an eye on for me, definitely. Um, uh, okay, moving on. And I know you wanted to talk about the BT card as well, Adam. Have you got some uh, some yeah, thoughts big, on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just quickly because um, yeah, we've we've covered them all. And again, these were on TV. Uh, Sam Maxwell with one of the comeback stoppage wins of. I mean, it reminded me of the um, Carl Froch one. Was it against Jermaine Taylor when he was down on all the cards and like literally just threw the kitchen sink at him? But if anything, it wasn't throwing the kitchen sink. Sam Maxwell was down on the cards. He'd been down in the first and second rounds. Sabri Sidiri, right now, if you if you don't know the meaning of the word Shaden fraud. Uh, Basically, it's wallowing in somebody else's uh, misfortune. And Sabri Sidiri bought himself the ire of the crowd by basically quite unfairly, quite, you know, quite unsportingly just teasing and showboating against Maxwell in the 10th, assuming that he'd won the fight. It wasn't pretty to see, and it was, it was, it was rather pleasing when Sam Maxwell threw a left right down the middle mm-hmm. and uh, Sabri Sidiri got up eventually at about 11 seconds so look, that's what boxing's all about it's incredibly exciting and um yeah I, I i dare say there was a few fans in leicester that uh rather enjoyed it i i certainly enjoyed it nathan gorman uh late replacement against kevin johnson as as we said took every single round uh, johnson yeah i mean he is what he is as a late replacement fine it's fine it's another win so well done to nathan gorman and then sam bowen uh, he stopped Jordan Macquarie in the ninth round of their British Super Featherweight title. Both fighters had been through a bit, or Bowen had been through a bit of adversity, and he came out on top in the ninth round. So well done to him. Yeah, it looked like that was a, an interesting uh, matchup as well. Um, Macquarie at one point apparently threw nine left hooks in a row. Someone told me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, I watched a bit of the fight earlier and. Um, the referee said he broke them up at one point, and I can't remember who it was he said it to. He said, calm down, you're behaving like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> and the commentator said, oh, we're watching boxing. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. But, um, yeah, so that was that, that looked like quite an interesting card as well. So we've got wins for Tommy Fury, who stopped Calamide, who's usually pretty durable. Mm. You've got Troy Williamson, KO'd Kevin McCauley, who, again, is, is very durable. Um, and very game and then Leon Leon Woodstock got back to winning ways so you know well done that sounded like an interesting card as well yeah definitely um, so I know you spoke to Ramos Mahmood about the, the York Hall card as well um, do you want to fill in on that one? yeah I did so let's um, well let's just hear hear what Ramos had to say about that interesting card at York Hall which as we talked about last week only had six fights on it Ramez, thanks for joining me on the Southport Jab podcast. Um, congratulations on your win at the weekend. You're now 9-0. Yeah, now 9-0, yeah. Thank you for having me, Adam. Absolute pleasure. Um, first of all, can you just explain, for those who don't know, your nickname, The Math Magician? 
yeah, but the mathematician is um, starting catching on now. I've got a nice little ring to it. Um, that comes from me being a maths teacher during the day. So I work full time as a maths teacher alongside my training um, and my fights. So that's where the nickname the mathematician comes from. Is that I reckon um, I fancy as the best nickname in boxing right now. I, th- I think you've got a good. Uh, you've certainly got a good good case. I can't think of a better one. Um, how did the fight go? Talk us through the fight on Saturday. Yeah, the fight. It, to be honest, it, it was what it was. It was the, the most insane fight in the world. Um, I had to go through a lot through that training camp. As in, I was meant to box the week before, and then there was a last minute turnover, so my time was a little bit off. But I won every round against an opponent who was quite awkward and um, got, got got his way through the rounds. Who was it? Uh, four or six? It was four, right? Well, yeah, it was originally meant to be a six, but because of the date change, it was dropped to a four. Okay, what was it? What was it? Was it Birkenberg who you'd fought before? It was Auckland who I had fight enough ad books before, yeah. Yeah, I, can't, I thought I'd seen the same same name on your record. Um, did it go easier the second fight? Do you feel like you'd learned more from the first fight, or? Yeah, um, I think I think both of them were pretty comfortable. It was a completely different fight, whereas in the first fight he sort of come come for a scrappy look more, whereas this time he was a lot more on the back foot in the first fight so it was a completely different fight altogether in the first fight I was I was sort of out boxing on the back foot whereas this one I was forcing everything yeah I want to be right here 4036 nice so what's um, what's next for you you're looking at the southern area you said maybe yeah well um, um, as far as not I'm mandatory for the southern area super band and weight um, it's held by Dwayne Winters I'm not sure what he's doing with it at the minute I mean I'm hearing he may vacate so at the, at the minute, the picture's a little bit unclear, but hopefully within a week or a week and a half, we know what's going on with that. And Steve's going to like do all that, sort that out for you, I assume? Yeah, well, Steve's going to be working alongside manager, Mickey Move, to sort that out, yeah. Oh, sorry, yes, I've forgotten you were with Mickey. Um, okay, cool. So, would, would that be your next fight, do you think? Or you see how long that, that'll take? Uh, more, more, more than likely. I don't want to jinx anything too much yet, but that's what we're looking at. Sorry, I'll be disappointed if it wasn't my next fight. Fair enough. I mean, would you, um, would you, what would you do? Win, obviously, win that and then defend it a couple of times before the year's out, or win it and then push on, looking at sort of English level. Um, it depends what's available, really, because that super bad weight there's not really a lot of boxes around, so I could, I could win it and then find that there's not many boxes around to defend it against. So um, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it might be, might be a case of winning it. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, I'd asked you in the build-up about the fight, the show, it being six four-rounders, which is a, a sort of notably short show for, for York Hall anyway, and certainly for Goodwin, who usually put on massive shows. Um, yeah. You said they were trying something new. So what it was is there's an Albanian former MMA fighter now turned professional boxer. Yeah. His name is Florian Marku. And as far as I know, he'd approached Steve and asked something on that. How much does your call hold? Steve said, I think Steve told him about 1,200. So Florian said, okay, on a show, give me all the tickets. So the fighters on the show, none were on a ticket deal because Florian dealt with the tickets. So you didn't sell any tickets, or you did, but you didn't have a requirement to sell any? Well, I don't think any, I think any, all the other fighters didn't really get many 
but no one was on a ticket deal. So right. Flo- Florian, the Albanian boxer, dealt with them all. So in order to basically have your call to himself, he's, he paid, paid for all of your opponents? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so, and, but then, of course, I mean, I was looking on social media, because obviously Goodwin tweet all their, all their uh, show, and it looked rammed, like absolutely rammed. Wait, I've been to loads of shows that you call, and I've never, ever seen it like that. Really? Yeah, it was absolutely mental. And the videos don't, don't do it justice. I mean, when, when he was in there, it was absolutely manic. The atmosphere was, was unbelievable. Was it was it nice to box in front like in front of that sort of crowd? Yeah, it, it actually was. I mean, they were there from the beginning to the end, so the open was always full. They gave, they gave good cheers to all the boxers, except for uh, Mr. Goldor. <laughs> we'll talk about him in a second. Yeah, they, they, they didn't want to be him. But other than that, the crowd was generally quite good. I mean, that's just that's that's quite a nice uh, a nice thing to have, I suppose. We we talked quite a lot on the podcast last week about ticket sales, so it's nice to get to get that kind of fight and obviously to fight in front of that sort of crowd. Um, did you manage to see much of the of Florian's fight? Well, I stayed for the whole show and I was up in the balcony while he was boxing so I saw him bits and pieces but over all the people it was hard to see everything but I was just soaking up the atmosphere while, while he was in there. Did he look impressive? I mean, he, he fought Ivan Godor who's fairly tough um, uh, been around a long time, so he's quite canny as well. He knows what how to survive, yeah. and he, he he TKO in the second, wasn't it? Yeah, he dropped him about three times, and the big difference between him and even Goldor was just the size. Goldor was massive and second compared to Florian, who's a bit of a beast at world weight. Um, he's yeah. sorry, Goldor was bigger or smaller? A lot, a lot smaller. Oh right, wow. Okay. Yeah, he was a lot, a lot smaller than, than Florian was. And um, Florian just worked, worked to the body, the body shots and really broke it down. Wow. Yeah, stopping Ivan Godor in your second, was it second fight or his third fight? His second fight, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, did you... Very, Sorry, God. It was very, very, it's very, very hostile for, for Ivan Godor. Very hostile for him. Wow. Uh, he doesn't... He often uh, will complain to me, kind of with a smart, half smile afterwards when he's been when he's been beat. He'll say, politic, politic. I, I, I think he dropped a few of them, them in as well. I mean, he was moaning to referee after stoppage, and he got he got himself in one 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 leg. Oh, he did the one leg. He does the karate yeah. kick stand, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he, he, he done that. Showed him my bands okay. He was saying something, so I'm guessing he was saying it politic. <laughs> but he, he was he was down three times, and he probably wasn't gone a few more times. So you can't argue with stoppage. Yeah, fair enough. How did the rest of the show go? Because we haven't done, we haven't reported on it because we couldn't see it. So, uh, were there any? Was any, did anybody else perform particularly well? Um, I didn't see the first couple of bouts. You know, Brad Pools um, stopped his boy in the second round. Right. And he's, he's a mate of mine, Brad Pools, and he's a good boxer. Um, I didn't see any of David Abraham who was before me. Right. Um, Curtis Felix boxed well. He won on points. And. There was John, one other, wasn't there? It was Cruiserweight. John Pilata, right? Yeah, Pilata. John Pilata. He boxed Phil Williams. I saw a bit of pieces of it, and that looked like a actually good little scrap. Phil Williams didn't give it a good go. Oh, wicked. So it was a good... I mean, what was it, like a, an hour and a half long show? It started at uh, seven... Yeah, it finished about nine, but there was a half night interval between it as well. Wow. So, yeah, two, two hours with the interval. That's brilliant. So, yeah. 
Wicked. Well, I'm, I'm glad that went well. I, I was a bit, I have to say, we were a bit sceptical and wondering how it worked. But I suppose if you've got a full your call, that's a, that's pretty quality. That's that's great. Yeah, and, and also, also, do you see, do you see any of the videos of the, the queue outside your call? No, I, ju- I just saw the um, the pictures of inside, and I thought, wow, that looks big. Why? The doors, the doors opened at about ten past six, and at about four thirty, so an hour and a half, just a bit over an hour before the doors opened, the outside of the Yorkpool was rammed. Queues going around the streets of all the all um, Florida's fans waiting to get in. I've never seen anything like it. It was absolutely mental. What well, wicked! I think, got, I, I think they got another show like that on April, end of April, sometime. Oh, so yeah. Well, I would say we'll we'll try and get press for that, but we'll probably uh, yeah. we'll probably be, get bumped for a paying ticket uh, holder. So that's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. So he's boxing. Florian's boxing. Do you know Robert Sagwa? Yes. He's boxing him on that show. Oh wow! They're move moving him along quick then. Yeah. So so it's good good little scrap for him. Quality. Oh, wicked. Well, I suppose the biggest congratulations goes to you. So thank you very much. Onwards and upwards, and. Um, yeah, looking forward to your next fight, man. Uh, yes, do let us know if, when you get any anything in, in set in stone. Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep you updated. Hopefully, two weeks maximum, I know what's going on with it. Wicked. Okay, well, go and enjoy uh, enjoy your puddings and your pizzas. Your well-earned, <laughs> your well-earned, uh, well-earned food. Okay, it was great to hear from Ramesh Mahmood there, and uh, we're wishing him the best of luck, of course, in chasing that uh, Southern Area title fight. We're going to move on now to some previews. Um, we're going in again on a matchroom card, so going to just explain on that and, and apologise. We're not being matchroom-centric, it's just that the, uh, the two matchroom cards we talked about last weekend and this weekend both have... Southpaw jab fighters on in prominent fights, uh, so you know we're not just brown nosing Eddie Hearn here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so do you want to start us off on that and talk about the Phil's fight, Phil Bowes? Yeah, obviously Philip Bowes, Quicksilver Bowes, who's um, team Southpaw jab and uh, someone that yeah, I mean again, obviously Chris and I like all of these guys, but. Some of them I know better, some of them Chris knows better. Phil is one that Chris knows better, but I absolutely love Phil. He's so funny. He's he's such a nice guy. He's an excellent boxer. He's waited ages to win his first title. He's been unlucky the few times um, that he has got shots at them. Uh, and he won the Commonwealth title only in February, so only basically just over a month ago. Mm. And... He's taken, he straight away took this defence up in Liverpool against Liverpudlian Tom Farrell, who we, I know you spoke to a few weeks ago and you can listen to on the first edition of the podcast. And yeah, it's a, it's a great fight. It's a brave move by Phil to go up to the guy's back uh, backyard on and on a matchroom card. Yeah, definitely. And, old. It's also an interesting fight in terms of the styles. I mean, look, when Phil fought for the English title against Glenn Foote. I mean, Phil is a, a boxer, right? He's a, he's a boxer. Now, he um, he basically, Glenn Foote just rough, tried, to, tried to rough him up. Now, it was a close fight. I know Chris certainly thinks Phil won. I think it was very, very close. And, you, and there's a very good argument that Phil won. There certainly is a very good argument for Glenn Foote touching down and should have had to have an eight count. Um I, that Farrell came across really well. 
but I don't. My, I, if it comes, if it's just boxing, Phil's gonna win. Like he, I don't think Farrell's got what it has, what it takes to rough Phil up to bully him. Um, I mean, Glenn Foot is went on to prove after the Phil fight that he's an exceptionally tough, game, talented fighter. I mean, you might not like his. Um, I mean, one of his favourite punches is the headbutt, but. But, you know, uh, fine, he is what he is, and he's very good at what he is. What what, what does Tom Farrell bring to beat Phil? I don't really know. And my worry is that what he'll bring to beat Bill is a matchroom scorecard. Mm. Well, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? it, it being the hometown fighter, we've, we, you know, we do see instances of that. Um, but, you know, let's hope it doesn't come yeah, down. Yeah, look, to, if, you get the cra- if he gets the crowd, and he's going to have the crowd on his side, because he's just a Liverpudlian in Liverpool, um, mm. that can force, that can sway the referee to make an early stoppage, you know, or the judges into thinking they're seeing a fight that they're not. Hopefully, they don't, hopefully that doesn't happen. But that was my worry. I mean, I did say this to Phil, and Phil is not bothered one tiny little bit. So fair enough. Yeah. 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 yeah but obviously, we want to see Phil retain his Commonwealth title there, and I'm fairly confident that I am. Not fairly confident. I'm confident that we will. Definitely. Good luck to uh, to Phil Bowes there. Then, uh, looking down the the rest of the card, we've obviously got um, got a big heavyweight clash, haven't we? There's David Price versus Cash Alley. Uh, do you think Alley's got what it takes to exploit Price's weaknesses? I mean, we know, uh, you know, we know he he, uh, he can be hurt. But has Alec got I, I hope not, because I like Pricey. Uh, I mean, again, this is all stuff we, we sort of covered these fights a bit yeah. two weeks ago, didn't we? So we don't need to spend too long on them. But yeah, I believe Pricey will, will get to uh, Ali. He's a lot shorter. Ali Price got the range. Um, I mean, we saw against. I mean, I thought the Tom Little stoppage was a bit early, but um, oh, definitely. Uh, I feel like Pricey probably was still favourite to go on and win that, even if he hadn't got the dodgy stoppage you've got to say Cash Alley right, is a, a step up but he's got a nice looking record but is he is he good enough to be Pricey no I don't think so yeah but, I mean the, the other thing that, that does worry me about Pricey is he's uh, he's a bit one paced um, but obviously he's, he's so he's such a giant uh, he's so tall that often you know he, he will we can work around that stylistically, but he is quite one-paced, um, and you know I I really like Pricey as well, but that that does worry me um, when you've got those vulnerabilities and you know you work at that tempo. Yeah, possibly. I mean, look again, and what they're doing with Pricey after that Povetkin loss, I think, um, and the guy he lost to afterwards, is they're building him back up to see what he can get up to because he's so popular and so liked. And um, such a good, good guy. Uh, so I think that you had the little fight, and you've got this Cash Alley fight. And if he wins this, we'll still sit, they'll step him back up. I mean, he's not—he's no spring chicken, Pricey. I think he's uh, for a professional sportsman. I mean, he's uh, what is he? He's like 35, 36. Right. Um, as we—I think we said last week. But for him, the—the the, um, if he wins here, the winner of. Allen uh, versus Brown maybe looks likely as a as a future opponent. Potentially, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him stuck in at British title level again. To be honest. Mm. Right. Uh, well, yeah, as you say, we've kind of covered the rest of that card. We predicted an anti-fouler win uh, last week. 
Uh, I think he'll get it via stoppage. Uh, Smith versus Eggington is an interesting one, um, but Beefy is likely to win out there. One other thing to note on that card is that Natasha Jonas is looking to recover from her shock loss to Vivian Obenhoff, so best of luck to her, um, and uh, that's one we'll be watching closely. Uh, moving on, uh, on Friday... Uh, we've got uh, Belfast. We've got the Belfast MTK card. Conrad Cummings there, who's sixteen two and one with seven stoppages, takes on Luke Keeler, who's fifteen two and one with five stoppages. So pretty pretty similar on paper, but uh, that will be an interesting matchup. Uh, Steve Collins Jr. also appears on that card. Um, then down in Birmingham, we've got Danny Ball versus Casey Benjamin for the Midlands area welterweight title. And there's a Black Flash promotion in Dunstan as well on Friday night. And on Saturday in the small hall, uh, we've got a show in Stoke. And we've got the Midlands super middleweight title, which is being contested by Jamal Ledoux, who's 5-1, and one, versus Corey Jackson, who's 7-2. and two. So that'll be an interesting one to watch out for there. That's the Midlands super middleweight title. Lots of middles going on there. Uh, up in Rotherham, we've got the central area middleweight title um, between... Chris Kinsonia, who's 7-1-1 with two stoppages, and Mickey Ellison, who's 9-1 with two stoppages. Um, that's an interesting one, actually, Adam, that we were talking about uh, off-air. Answers on a postcard, please, really, for why there is a central area title and a Midlands title. That was one we've been grappling with for a little while. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you what, because it's probably quite quickly solvable if you go on the... <laughs> uh, on the BBC BFC website. Yeah, the board will probably tell us. Anyway, I'll move on. And, You've got uh, nor- Northern, Central, Southern and Midlands. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a strange one. It's just a little bit of an oddity, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think they'd be, they'd be the same. Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, there's a British Warriors card in Blackburn. Alex McCloy uh, headlines there. He's 11-0 uh, with one draw. Uh, no stoppages though. He's taking on Dan West, who's five five and two with two stoppages. Uh, so that's an interesting little matchup. Uh, Dan West is a real trier. Um, a, a, an upset isn't beyond him, but probably uh, probably McCloy will get the win there. But that's an, an interesting one to keep an eye on. There's also a Bendel's promotion show in Southampton. Joe Pigford uh, is back out there. He's um, returned in December I believe it was uh, after a long layoff uh, and he's now getting back in the ring again looking to advance his 14-0 record 13 of those coming by stoppage um, and think you had some notes on that did you Adam? Well I mean just that Pigford is uh, I don't know what's gone on outside the ring obviously um, Pigford is uh, <laughs> It's weird because it's another one you say about the fight levelling power. I mean, obviously, with uh, 13 out of 14 victories coming early, you know that he can punch. He was under Warren. I don't know whether he still is. And he, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Morgan, who he fought before having this long layoff of mm. 18 months, 
Aaron Morgan was beating him for three rounds, four rounds. Yeah. Now, there's a reason that fights go on more than that when you get two guys in. And Pickford, basically, as soon as he landed a shot, that I mean, that was... I mean, I was at Hellraiser at the time, and Aaron Morgan was a Hellraiser fighter, so that's why I was watching. Mm. And I thought, oh, he's doing, he's doing really well. I, th- I thought Aaron Morgan looked a bit drained, but when he, when Pickford landed, I mean, it was, it was almost sickening. You know how George Groves sort of bent over backwards when he got beaten by Froch? Yeah. It, w- it was that kind of a stoppage. You can find it on YouTube, but I mean, it really was like conclusive. You know. No, no, <laughs> you can't have any issue with it. Uh, and he, so he really can. He's not just bowling over journeyman. He's bowling over. Uh, I mean, he's even stopped our own Louis Van Pooch. So, hmm. so few. And as, as Pooch, as well as Pooch, he said basically, yeah, he only gets stopped by the guys who are very good. So we'll see with Pickford. Um, he's certainly an exciting one to watch. So if you're in in Southampton or wherever it is, get down and get down to see him. Yeah, it's likely to be be a tick over fight, but it, as you say, always interesting in t- to watch uh, somebody with that kind of fight level in power. Um, moving on, we've you've got a quick summary of what's going on stateside for us, Adam. You don't have to do yes. an accent; it's fine. I feel like I feel like I should go, "Hey, fight fans!" <laughs> um, I think she's probably got that trademark. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just wait for the legal letter now. Yeah, <laughs> motherfucker. Um, yes, yeah. So, I mean, how many shows have we covered in England this weekend? There's, I mean, there's like 10, 11 shows. In the whole of the USA this weekend, there are seven shows listed on BoxRec. And one of those, a Golden Boy uh, promotion in California, only has one fight on it, which is... Um, which is Ryan Garcia against Jose Lopez, and it's not for a, for a belt or anything. So that I mean that's a that's a, a strange one as well. I mean I think it's in a casino, so maybe it's part of a show. I don't know. I don't know. But this is this just goes to show you how different we are in the in the UK to in America, and why they don't really understand a lot of things like journeyman. They don't don't really understand it. Yeah. They have what you call club level fighters. So they've, you've got the guys that will go and just fight in the you know. Things like this, but anyway, the big, the biggest fight out there is um, Alexander Gavodzic. Um He's fighting Dudu Ngumbu, who's thirty-eight and eight. Obviously, Gavodzic is what is he, seventeen and zero or something with sixteen knockouts, and he, he won the WBC light heavyweight title from uh, Donis Stevenson. Uh, obviously, it, Stevenson was very badly injured and into and went into a coma after that. He's, as far as I'm aware, up and walking again, but there's a big difference between being conscious and being full health. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's just an indicator of quite how powerful Gavodzic is. Uh, Dudu and Gumbu, every time he's stepped up, he's like, of his eight fights, pretty much everyone that he's stepped up against, he's lost. So Isaac Chilemba beat him, Andre Fonfara beat him. So yeah, I don't, I don't see that going any way other than a Gavodzic win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It looks like that's going to be another another win for him, doesn't it? Um, so if that's everything you've got uh, from the, the little US summary there, we will move on to our bet of the week. Uh, so this week, uh, honestly, there is very little value 
um, as regards the 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 odds on that matchroom card. That's so often the way uh, with a big televised show, um, but there isn't much in the way of value. Um, what we have gone for uh, in our bet of the week is a double. So we're going to get behind uh, Southpaw Jab team member Phil Bowes. He's four to six to beat Tom Farrell, and we're going to double that up with an Anthony Fowler win by KO or TKO, uh, which is 4-11. to 11. Those together, uh, on Paddy Power, you get in 1.27 to 1. Shade better than evens, and we think uh, that's the that's the best bet of the week for, for in our book. So uh, <clears throat> we'll update you on, uh, on how that pans out next week. Um, signing off-wise... Uh, do please head over to southpawjab.com. Uh, we've got some great articles up on the site at the moment. Uh, what's new this week, Adam, on the site? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we've got um, reviews of the shows, previews of the shows. We're always trying to get more interviews. There's one recently with Dan Morley that I did. Check him out. There's, uh, I mean, you know, we're always off interviewing people. I'm sure there'll be stuff, previews of yourself this weekend. And... I tell you what's been attracting a lot of attention recently is uh, Chris Wadhams and Matt Lewis wrote some great pieces on the belts, the governing bodies and the belts, and WBA, IBO, IBF, you know, how they all fit in. And then Matt had a look at the governing bodies outside of those top five. You know, I know most people only count four, but we'll say five. And it really does get a bit... <laughs> A bit mental, basically. So yeah. do do go and have a look at those because they're they're interesting. Definitely, yeah. Do please check out the site um, when you've uh, finished listening to this, and do please join us again next week as well. Um, and yeah, give us a follow on social media, Southpaw Jab. Find us on Facebook. All of our articles go up on there. The podcast is always posted up on there. Thanks. And don't forget the podcast is on Apple Podcasts now. Yes, and we're on Apple Podcasts now, hosted by Anchor, also available on Apple Podcasts, hopefully through more providers soon too. I think we're available on four or five now, so have a, yeah. have a little look, search for us, but it's certainly Apple and Anchor. Fantastic. Thanks for listening, guys. Any parting messages from you, Adam? Stay safe. <laughs> Well, you've heard it here first. Stay safe, boxing fans, and thanks for listening. Yo, beast mode, I go beast mode. Left, right, hook, then I reload. Speed until the E3 slow. Connect to re-uppercut, clean blow. 